Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. This is Money and me. I'm Michelle Martin. Moscow and Beijing have ramped up their share of settlements in national currencies to 25% this year against a modest 2% gain recorded seven years ago. So will this equate to, um, does this mean that de-dollarization is gaining momentum? Also, according to Credit Suisse Retail and Hospitality Listed Real Estate Investment Trust here in Singapore, were the hardest hit by the COVID-19 pandemic, but should continue their recovery in 2021. Credit Suisse also says a significant upside for global equities. Going to find out more about what they're positioning for recovery and whether my guest agrees with those calls. Wilfred Lim is Executive Director at BMFA Wealth Management. Good morning, Wilfred. Hi, morning, Michelle. All right, all eyes are on the budget, the upcoming Singapore budget. A lot of people expecting an expansionary budget. A DBS group looking at 2021 said it expects the economy to register an expansion of 5.5% GDP growth. What is your take on what we can expect for 2021 as an investor? Um, as an investor, you mean in the Singapore market? Yes, or anywhere. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, so like you mentioned earlier, so Credit Suisse did point out that uh, there is still significant upside to the equity market. I think that is uh, kind of the base case going forward. Uh, so yeah, I'm expecting uh, upsides, but we are kind of stretched uh, at current levels. So maybe in the near term, uh, I would be positioned more defensively for now. Uh, are you looking at small cap stocks or where do you see upside? Uh, well, in terms of sectors, uh, I'm mainly looking at the commodity sector uh, because of you know both loose monetary policies, uh, aggressive fiscal policies coming up, um, as well as uh, you know uh, demand picking up uh, mainly from China uh, as the world uh, seems to hopefully be getting out of this uh, COVID crisis and going back to normal or the new normal. Mm-hmm. I want to pick up on that point on an increase in Chinese manufacturing uh, that seems to be part of a lot of expectations that we're hearing with analysts that we speak with. So Goldman Sachs picking mining and metal stocks that it says is going to benefit from a commodity super cycle. The last super cycle apparently happened in the mid-2000s. Goldman says that metals and minings is up more than 100% from lows seen in March last year and that there is still room to grow. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, so it uh, I know it's hard to talk about technical charts on radio, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it is worth noting that um, the commodity index has actually broken out of a very long-term downtrend uh, since the financial crisis in 08. So the the super cycle, the past super cycle that they were talking about, uh, seems to be within uh, a larger one that we may see happen uh, in the next few years to come. So yeah, I, I completely agree uh, with their point of view. Um, apart from, you know, uh, Chinese manufacturing, uh, like we said, there's the, the vaccines getting out into the world. Hopefully, we'll return to the new normal. Uh, there are also supply constraints for mm-hmm. certain metals due to supply chain uh, disruptions, mine shutdowns here and there. So you do think that mining and metal stocks could benefit from this super cycle? Yes, that's right. 
All right. A theme that you mentioned in previous shows that we've done with you is de-dollarization. You talked about it um, in, in quite a great deal of detail the last time we spoke. So since then, Moscow and Beijing have ramped up share of settlements in national currencies to 25% against a modest 2% recorded just seven years ago. Um, do you see de-dollarization gaining momentum? Uh, yes, uh, I think it is. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we have to be mindful that this doesn't just happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Right. So to look back, uh, maybe just a quick timeline of the so-called de-dollarization that's been happening. Uh, to me, it started to happen all the way in 1971 when President Nixon uh, suspended the convertibility of U.S. dollar to gold. Uh, but other events started to happen since 2001. Uh, we have Iraq. They started to sell their oil in euros. Uh, Iran ended oil transactions in USD in 07. Uh, in 08, the Lehman crisis uh, led to the QE infinity that we're still seeing today. Uh, 2010, we have the Sucre that was formed uh, between some South American countries uh, to replace the US dollar for exchange. Uh, 2011, uh, China actually started this all the way back in 2011 to bypass the US dollar. They signed agreements uh, with Australia, Russia, Japan, Brazil, Iran to trade in their own local currencies. Uh, 2013, uh, an agreement was signed during the BRICS summit with the BRICS nations uh, to bypass the US dollar. You know, 2014, Russia made arrangements with China, Venezuela, Turkey. Uh, in 2017, there was the SPFS. Uh, this was uh, Russia's equivalent of the SWIFT that was developed. Uh, 2018, Venezuela you know, declared that they would uh, sell its oil in euro, uh, renminbi, and ruble. 2019, uh, EU countries uh, established the INSTEX. Uh, this was used to facilitate uh, non-USD and non-SWIFT uh, transactions with Iran. Uh, and just last year alone, we saw Trump, you know, threaten uh, to delist so many Chinese companies from the American stock exchanges. Uh, oh, interestingly, also last year, Iran uh, amended laws to allow imports uh, using cryptocurrencies uh, because they were sanctioned from using the USD. Uh, and yeah, like you mentioned, you know, it seems that Russia and China has been boosting their settlements in their local currencies now up 25%. And they are targeting for 50% usage by 2024. Yeah, so um, if we look at this, right, Mm -hmm. um, the US dollar is still the world's uh, reserve currency. Mm -hmm. If I'm not wrong, it's about 60% of the world's currencies. Uh, But more than half of it, uh, it's held outside of the US. Right. So de-dollarization, if you look at all the events that, that I listed out, mm-hmm. uh, it's been caused by the U.S. Uh, weaponizing the dollar yep. uh, in terms of sanctions, tariffs, uh, and, and devaluation of their own currency. Uh, this has naturally forced affected countries or, or corporations to look for alternatives. Right. So it is uh, gaining momentum from, from what we're seeing, uh, but the U.S. dollar may not be dethroned uh, so easily. Uh, it was actually started becoming the world's reserve currency since 1920. Uh, and, you know, uh, de events only started to happen in 2001. Uh, but that being said, well, you, can't, you can't remain the world's uh, reserve currency if you prevent a significant portion of the world from using your currency. 
And from the perspective of U.S. debt, are, are you also seeing global central banks reducing their U.S. debt holdings? Uh, I haven't been looking at the flows thereabouts, uh, but if I remember correctly, China, they're not reducing their holdings, but they're reducing uh, additional debt from the U.S. So, yes, I think there's an underlying uh, concern uh, about the solvency uh, of the U.S. dollar from here on. All right. Next, I want to shift gears and look a little closer to home. So Credit Suisse, I was reading, says S-REITs are positioned for retail recovery. I don't know if you've been going up more more in recent days, Wilfred, compared to most of 2020. (laughs) But uh, Credit Suisse says retail and hospitality S-REITs, which were hardest hit, should continue their recovery this year. This amid, of course, a return uh, to normalcy. Do you agree? Uh, Yeah, I I have been going out more definitely than last year. Uh, And wow, it's it's quite a pain (laughs) looking at the crowds at the mall. It is, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it, this, this may seem like a no-brainer, right? As Singaporeans flock to the malls, the retail REITs uh, seem to be, you know, in favour. Uh, but I have been uh, noticing quite a number of uh, non-F&B tenants uh, with no traffic or even, you know, closing down, most notably uh, Robinsons. Mm. They're, they're closing down, right? Uh, not to mention all the smaller ones. So take a look around as you walk walk around the malls. There are more and more uh, empty units uh, popping up. Uh, this may start to reflect on the retail rates, uh, occupancy rates, and ultimately their distribution yields. So uh, I wouldn't be uh, too bullish on the retail rates uh, currently. Uh, as for the hospitality rates, um, I think uh, it is still highly dependent on international travel. Uh, a lot of our hospitality REITs here, they do have exposure to uh, foreign uh, hotels and, and so on as well. So I think currently it's still too uncertain to call, uh, looking at how you know the, the, the attitude towards the vaccine is still pretty mixed. Uh, it's not like everyone is rushing to get uh, vaccinated. Indeed. And that's a great yeah. point, a great nuanced look at suburban retail and also noting hospitality so much dependent on international travel, so likely to be an uneven road to recovery. Um, given this, are, are there mispriced or underpriced opportunities in equities that are possible opportunities here in Singapore? Um, in Singapore, mm, I think it's it's uh, limited at this point in time. Uh, there may be a short-term play in terms of the glove makers. Uh, you know, if worries of a COVID second wave or, or third wave, if you call it, uh, starts to, to creep up, more and more lockdowns happening, uh, we may see interest in the, the glove uh, players as well in Singapore coming back. Okay. And in terms of um, the global picture for underpriced equities, do you see anything in that area? Uh, Yeah. So globally, um, I think something that's still uh, overlooked, in my opinion, is silver. So specific to equities, uh, we can gain indirect exposure to silver prices through silver miners. So the two uh, compelling drivers for, for higher silver prices are mainly, you know, silver has been referred to as gold's little brother. Mm-hmm. So it is a hedge against uh, inflation risk uh, as a monetary asset, right? And we just saw the IMF uh, urging central banks to keep spending 
and you know hence they they have to keep printing uh, new fiat currencies so the whole de-dollarization and devaluation of all fiat currencies uh, may push uh, bullion prices higher uh, secondly uh, and interestingly, uh, silver is, also has an industrial application in solar panels. Mm. So as the world, not only the U.S. Uh, or China, you know, they're they're pushing uh, quite aggressively uh, towards clean energy. The demand for silver is set to rise as uh, more and more solar farms uh, pop up. Yeah, and if there is a mild economic recovery, that could further benefit silver industrial demand as well. So you expect the silver price to climb further in 2021 then? Yeah, yeah, in my opinion. All right. So which areas of the world are you advising your clients uh, to have exposure to? Uh, so in terms of geographic exposure, mm-hmm. um, for me, it's mainly China. Uh, but we are also looking out for opportunities in uh, Vietnam equities as well. Yeah, so for China, uh, you know, they've built up uh, really strong trade relations globally, uh, despite the tariffs imposed by Trump in the past few years. Uh, most notably, we talked about the RCEP uh, that they recently signed. Uh, in terms of currency adoption as well, uh, we're seeing them open up their financial markets. Uh, you know, For example, we have had large IPOs last year, uh, like uh, JD.com, uh, NetEase, we got another one, Koiso, that's coming up. Uh, and maybe N Financial will, will make a comeback uh, this year. Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also for the tech race, uh, they have uh, plans and they sound really serious about it, right? To take global leadership uh, in terms of technology in areas like 5G and AI. Uh, and they, are, uh, they seem to be quite a strong challenger uh, to the U.S., uh, in terms of valuations as well, they are still uh, attractively priced. Uh, I think about 14 times PE compared to about 30 times in the S&P. So, yeah, mainly China right now. So I know there are a lot of discussions about how investors were fleeing from Alibaba after what was perceived as, um, uh, you know, the probe, the monopoly probe over in China investigating the alleged monopolistic practices of Jack Ma. Um, but yeah. do you still, do you see Alibaba as kryptonite or, or still very valuable? Um, well, without going into the, the specifics of the company, mm-hmm. um, I think the, they are well positioned. Looking at them at a business uh, by itself, uh, I wouldn't think that the Chinese government would, uh, you know, destroy the business uh, or, or like a crown jewel of their country uh, just like that, right? Um, they may be trying to gain some control over it or, or cap the the monopoly uh, of Alibaba, but uh, I don't think. They're out there to destroy it. So I think this may be a good chance uh, to pick it up on the low. Uh, and in terms of Jack Ma, uh, mm. I hope I hope he's well. Uh, I'm not sure if he's appeared in public yet. Not yet. Uh, yeah, mm. so he, if, if you look at the moves that he's made, uh, it seems to me that he has prepared himself and his company for, for this day by you know selling off uh, most of his stakes, uh, stepping down as CEO and so on. So, yeah, this, this all seems to be, uh, you know, expected already. Uh, I, I don't see uh, anything extremely negative uh, happening to Alibaba from here on. 
Okay, well, thanks for that. Wilfred, when we were talking about geographic exposure, you mentioned Vietnam and Vietnamese equities. Um, Is this from the value perspective? Because I understand Vietnamese equities underperform the broader market over the past year. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, that's right. So, uh, but they have been on a tear since, uh, I think probably since the US elections, uh, you know, going going back into the old economy and all that. So, uh, Vietnamese markets, uh, in terms of valuation, seems to be uh, either fairly priced or, or a bit on the high side. Uh, so I am I am staying on the sidelines for now, but waiting for any pullbacks uh, to look into this. Right. So so factors uh, for Vietnam is because they are close to China, right? With uh, labor costs rising in China, many industries are moving production, uh, uh, you know, just across the border to Vietnam. Uh, they have a really young demographic. This is unseen, you know, anywhere else in the world. Seventy mm. percent uh, of their population is under thirty-five, uh, and they have the highest uh, labor participation rate in Asia of seventy-six percent, compared to fifty-six percent in Europe. Uh, they are also in the emerging market sweet spot. Uh, you know, in emerging markets, uh, it's hard to to invest in because either the government doesn't want foreign investments or the infrastructure is just um, too backwards uh, to make any inroads. Uh, but the government seems to be really supportive of foreign investments and infrastructure developments uh, from, at, at this point in time. Okay, I guess from a uh, portfolio strategy perspective, are there any geographic reasons you're advising clients to stay away from? Uh away from um, not not really uh, it's a buy everything I, feel is it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, maybe yeah you can put it that way you know but cautiously optimistic right um, the word that's very widely used yeah so I, I wouldn't say you know sell sell all your stocks uh, completely avoid certain markets um, everything seems to be looking uh good now uh, but you know looking at past when everything seems too good to be true uh, that's when trouble starts to set in so yeah I'm, I'm keeping my eyes peeled for for any downside risk i'm not sure right. we've asked you this before but um what is your take on one percent of a portfolio in cryptocurrency is a good idea oh um yeah i, I think anywhere from one to five percent uh, seems to be uh, the, the the common narrative now. So we did talk about cryptocurrencies uh, a few shows back, I think, uh, and it has been on a tear. Mm. So yeah, just just looking at um, Bitcoin uh, alone, um, I think there is a, a strong uh, factor. Uh, for it to continue this upward trajectory, especially into this year, you know, um, simply put, the the supply is known, right? Uh, uh, in terms of total supply as well as the the monthly supply coming to the market, right? Uh, and it is limited. And then the demand side uh, seems to be picking up, um, not only on the retail front. Uh, in fact, I think this time around, retail demand for Bitcoin is really low. Uh, but the institutions are coming in in troves. Uh, and, and with blockchain, we can actually see all this data happening uh, in almost real time. So demand is high, supply is limited. Uh, you know, go figure from there. Always great speaking with you, Wilfred. Thank you so much for your insights. 
Thank you. Thank you. He's Wilfred Lim, Executive Director at BMFA Wealth Management. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.